Welcome to the Jeremiah Patterson Show, and thank you for joining me this Wednesday. Yesterday, it was reported that the Colorado Supreme Court um, said officially that Trump will be disqualified from the 2024 presidential ballot. Um, now, even during the holiday season, the news does not take a break. That is a very, very um, huge news story, of course. Um, I was in the car when that news broke. My jaw dropped. Um, but it is worth understanding the legal implications and also the history of what exactly that means. So I'm, I'm going to try to give you a little bit of background, explain this the best way I can. Um, 1861... 1861, Jefferson Davis gets up on the Senate floor. He's this staunch, hardline racist and pro-slavery advocate. He stands up and he gives this speech on why Mississippi ought to succeed from the Union on the basis that her institutions were being attacked. And the institutions that Jefferson so claims are being attacked here is slavery. He says that slavery was under grave assault and Lincoln was the problem. So Mississippi ought to have the right to succeed because they are a free state. They are a free people under the rights of the Constitution. And so it is with that rhetoric that he left the Senate and he became the president of the Confederacy not too long after that. And it was at this point in our country that the South had succeeded from the Union and united behind his leadership. Our nation was officially divided into two. There was no middle ground here. Either you were pro-slavery or you were not. And it was such a hotly contested issue that we fought each other over it. We fought each other over who was right. We went to war. We had a civil war that lasted for four years and ended in President Abraham Lincoln getting shot. But what came after that was obviously going to be much worse because generations of trauma and systematic racism was already installed that would continue to launch, that will continue to eventually propel into white supremacy, which festered in the 20s and was addressed in the civil rights movement. We all are familiar with that history, but what is rarely taught is the intensity of reuniting after that moment. The intensity of coming back together and living and coexisting as one, as a nation, as a people, again, under one roof. A house divided cannot stand, right? So after the Civil War, we obviously had to punish the South for what they did. We had to elevate our moral ground. No more quandaries or questions about what's legal or right. No more ambiguities about the law. We had to put into clear writing in the newly added 14th Amendment to the Constitution what we were about, basically. So on June 6, 1866, it was officially passed by the U.S. Senate reading this, quote, No person shall hold any office, civil or military, under the United States who has previously taken an oath as an officer of the United States to support the Constitution of the United States shall have engaged in insurrection or rebellion. So basically what that means in layman terms is that if you incited or participated in overturning the U.S. government, an insurrection, you're done. You will never be able to hold office again, at least not in this country. And we basically put that in place to keep any Confederates from ever obtaining power in Washington, right? Because they were... These were some traitorous clowns that launched the war against us. Why would we let them back in, let alone allow them to hold office again? So the 14th Amendment is added to the Constitution. And not long after that, we try to... We essentially try to go after the guy who was responsible for inciting the violence. Thus starting the Civil War. We immediately go after Jefferson Davis. 
for insurrection against the United States. And out of all the bad stuff he has done, we are not going to go after him for war crimes. We're not going to go after him for that. But we're going to go after him for treason. And it was very, very clear early on that this was going to be a very big trial with big implications for the nation, for the country. As the Philadelphia Inquirer remarked, if Davis couldn't be convicted for treason, quote, we might as well expunge at once the word from our dictionaries, end quote. So it was clear and obvious that what he did was treasonous. It was insurrection. And for a lot of Americans, they were more than eager to get rid of Jefferson. They hated him for what he perpetuated. One rope maker uh, from Illinois wrote to President Andrew Johnson, volunteering to hang Davis himself. So notably, tensions are high, right? As the expression goes without cursing, you know, things hit the fan and a lot was in the air. Americans were still mourning the loss of Lincoln and all that they had lost during the war, including fathers, sons, uncles, cousins, and brothers. It was really still emotionally taxing for the nation. The Reconstruction period for America was hell. But it was at that time that James Speed, the Attorney General of the United States, he steps in and is like, all right, guys, cool it. Sit down, chill. I know we're all irate right now, but we need to slow things down. And, you know, many Americans were scared that bringing Davis to trial for his actions would risk handing another victory to the South, to the Confederates. Look, they can't even hold us accountable. What else can we get away with? What else can we try? In the end here of this long story, um, Davis got off. He was acquitted because his lawyer argued that, that using the 14th Amendment against him would not work. And also the location of this trial was, you know, you know, in the place that he committed the crime. So, of course, you're not going to find an impartial jury there. And they're definitely not going to convict him for treason in the place that he committed the crime. Another issue in this case was that the experience of the lawyers, one um, who had no trial experience and another who was not even qualified at all. But one of the very focal points of this case was to essentially block him, was to essentially block Jefferson Davis. A, to hold him accountable, but B, to make sure that he could not run for office again. Surely that he could not run for the presidency again. And they weren't wrong to think that, you know. The fact that a former president, a former office holder, could run for president again after inciting an insurrection against the United States. Where have we heard that before? Well, in our recent history, we've heard that twice. Um, and, and, you know, and of course, in the Senate as well, after the Civil War. But we've heard it more recently surrounding the questions and the legal ambiguity around Trump and his case and life after the insurrection in the United States, life after the 2020 presidential election, and what the legal contours means as we are heading into 2024, this next presidential election cycle. What happened yesterday in terms of Donald Trump being essentially disqualified in Colorado on the presidential ballot for that year's election, 2024, 
is not only astonishing, but it is something that was greatly expected. It was something that was greatly anticipated. A New Mexico commissioner was recently tried with this same 14th Amendment, this same constitutional amendment by a group called Crew. They were successful in getting him off the ballot. He was disqualified from being able to, you know, obtain or run for office. But basically what's being alleged here is that we can do this. We can use this amendment against Trump. We can use this amendment to work against him because he incited an insurrection of the United States against the United States government. Therefore, he should not be able to run for office again. So it is with that clause of the U.S. Constitution that we are going to use to bar him from office again. And after inciting an insurrection in the U.S. government, there are many things There are many things that could have been done to bar Trump from a potential second term. One is impeachment. That failed. He was impeached in the House, but he was not convicted in the Senate. If you convict a president in the Senate, that basically means that they cannot ever run for office again. They are barred from running from office again. That failed twice. Another thing that could bar a potential presidential candidate from seeking office again or successfully entering a second term is potential convictions, even though there is legal legal ambiguity around that, you know, surrounding various cases across the country right now in terms of multiple different jurisdictions pursuing legal actions against Mr. Trump. And of course, the third thing here, which we're going to be talking about on the show today, is the fact that the 14th Amendment does apply. And if it does apply, you know, there's lots of legal consternation around this question and around this issue, as if conservatives didn't somehow, you know, jug up the Second Amendment to completely redefine what that means exactly. The right to bear arms does not mean the right to incite violence. The right to bear arms does not mean you get to keep all your weapons. But In terms of understanding this situation from a very clear-eyed, perspicacious view, I will say that, you know, I've been reading up on this. I've been reading articles. I've been talking to um, a friend about this. And it's very interesting as as to the fact of how quickly this is going to evolve and what are the implications. One is the fact that in Colorado... On January 5th, 2024, the Secretary of State is expected to officially, um, you know, get the ballot ready. Because in March of 2024, we are expected to start up the primaries, you know, Super Tuesday and also the rest of them. We're officially, you know, expected to start up the primaries for the presidential candidates, Democrats, Republicans, and third-party candidates. We are officially set to start the primaries for next year's presidential election. And January 5th is around the corner. You know, you know, everything has to be on the ballot. She has to put everything on the ballot in terms of the viable presidential candidates for next year's election. So how exactly is that going to play out? Also, in terms of this case with the Colorado Supreme Court um, officially disqualifying Trump from a second term, saying that, hey, Trump will not be on the ballot and he is disqualified, therefore, because of the 14th Amendment that is applicable to all citizens of this country. With that in hand, a lower court in Colorado previously 
you know, said, hey, you know, this is fine. He should be able to be on the ballot. It got appealed up to the Colorado Supreme Court. And of course, yesterday they said, no, he will not be on the ballot. But there are two questions here um, in terms of what happens next. And I know this is completely off script. Um, and I'm doing the best I can to explain this to you just as a layman observer, you know, with reading articles without any, you know, legal observations or getting, I was trying to get a lawyer on this episode. Forgive me. I will do my best to get that, to make that happen next year to help understand with this. But in terms of the implications for understanding the bigger picture, there are two important questions here. Is what happened in Colorado going to be successful? And if what happened in Colorado is going to be successful, does that lay out the groundwork for other states to potentially ban Trump from their official presidential ballots as well? Trump does not need Colorado to win the state to win the presidential election in 2024. But beyond just that small scope in terms of this larger um, this larger situation, are we potentially looking at a, 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 a starter, a trial, as Colorado being the trial state, being that eventually, oh, we're looking at, you know, more states banning Trump from the presidential ballot because they're citing the same 14th Amendment that he incited insurrection against the United States government. Therefore, he should not be a viable candidate for the 2024 election. If Colorado is successful, will that happen? And how will that play out in the 2024 presidential election with Trump being qualified in some states and being disqualified in multiple other states across the country? Also, how exactly would that work? <laughs> I mean, we've never really had this before. There are a lot of things that are unprecedented about this case. How would it work for Trump to be running in the 2024 presidential election, viable in some states, unviable in other states, and still running as a candidate? How would that work? Also, this raises the sociological question with his supporters already being primed to believe that the elections are stolen. How would it work for them to see that he's qualified in some states, disqualified in others? Who's not to say that they would cry a stolen election? What do we do with that in terms of the sociological fallout? What do we do with that in terms of the social fallout from this issue? Another thing in terms of Colorado being successful with this and actually being able to do this, disqualify Trump from the 2024 presidential ballot in their state, how do we know that Colorado is going to be successful? Because once again, this was denied initially in a lower court in Colorado, appealed to the Colorado Supreme Court. Colorado Supreme Court says, yes, Trump will not be on the presidential ballot in 2024. Who's to say that there will not be a lawsuit from the Trump campaign or another lawsuit contesting this hotly contested legal issue? And it goes all the way up until it is appealed to the United States Supreme Court. Who's to say that once it gets there to the United States Supreme Court, a court that is full of conservative judges, a, a conservative 
a, a court with a, a heavy conservative majority that has already proved that they do not, you know, in large part, acknowledge the general consensus from the American population on abortion rights or other major issues in this country. Who's to say that that court will not say, okay, yeah, we're going to overturn this. We're going to overturn this case. This is nonsense. This is nonsensical. Trump can be on the ballot in 2024 in Colorado. Gee, are you kidding? Who's to say that the conservative majority on the Supreme Court will not overturn what the Colorado Supreme Court just instituted by saying that Trump cannot be a viable candidate for the 2024 presidential election in our state? Who's to say that that will not happen? And if it does, what is the fallback across the country in terms of other states who were going to try to do the same thing, halting effectively, because the U.S. Supreme Court said no? Do we expect this to stand? Do we expect this to be official? Also, what exactly are the implications that if this is successful, if in some, I don't know, you know, prosperous future that the U.S. Supreme Court actually says yes to this. What are the implications for the Electoral College on election night with a viable presidential candidate and an unviable presidential candidate in some states? What are the implications in terms of who those electoral votes go to and what happens then? You see how this has the opportunity to jeopardize the the 2024 election. And this is not to contest. This this is not me dissenting about the 2024 election in terms of Trump being disqualified in the state of Colorado. This is me basically offering logical questions in terms of how this is going to play out because we are already going into a hotly contested environment. 2024 is not going to be an easy year in this country. And that's an understatement. 2024 is going to be hell. It is practically going to be the breaking point for the United States in terms of our institutions, in terms of us remaining as a constitutional republic. It is going to be the testing point. It is going to, we are going to be tested beyond our limits. And in terms of what the legal system can constrain, in terms of what the rule of law stands for, in terms of what we as Americans stand for or are willing to support and watch to save our country. Project 2025, of course, is one of the major things that no one is talking about heading into 2024. And it's frankly horrifying. Our first episode next year is actually going to be on that. But it is worth considering that this is a major issue going into the 2024 presidential election and how exactly things are going to play out. If Trump is disqualified from the presidential ballot in the state of Colorado, who's to say that other states aren't going to do the same? And if Colorado is successful and other states follow and do the same, Truly and surely, it's not going to be all states, right? Because there are going to be some Republican states that do not do that, that do not disqualify Trump from the 2024 presidential ballot in their respective states, right? They're not going to do that. They're going to keep him on the ballot. 
So how do we work with the fact that we have a still somewhat viable presidential candidate in multiple other states being qualified yet disqualified in others? How does that work in the grand scheme of things in terms of the larger picture with the 2024 presidential election? The results, chaos on election night. How does that play out? With his supporters already being primed to believe that the election is stolen and that the Democrats are, 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 are out to get us. Because there is already disinformation. There's already reports of, you know, you know, misinformation. There's already reports, you know, spiraling over the internet of, well, Republicans didn't, you know, use the 14th Amendment against Clinton and, and Trump, I mean, and Biden. So why are Democrats doing it? How do you get to the point where something like this is successful or successful in stopping Trump from getting a second term? When his supporters are already believed that, already, already, <laughs> where his supporters are already primed to believe that the Democrats steal elections, and that the Democrats are already going after Trump by vilifying him, by 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 having all these indictments against him. All stuff like this does is continue to amp up Trump supporters, giving them the feel that they need. And again, this is not to dissent the Colorado case here, but it is to ask and to very much lay the very logical situation and point to where we are as a country is the fact that this is going to be a insanely, insanely, extremely, you know, diametrically unprecedented year 2024 truly will be in terms of where a lot of things stand in this country as of next year. There was already a lot going on in 2023 that no one really talked about or covered or a lot of legislation that's sort of slowly sneaking by as the year ends. And this is not just about Trump anymore. It's about the Republican Party as a whole and what's going on exactly. And once again, next year, 2024, on January 6th, our first episode will be released on on this, on Project 2025, and, you know, many other things consolidated, consolidated into that episode that people need to know about. And so I just wanted to come on here and to talk to you about this because it's a very, very important matter with lots of legal implications, and it's interesting and very intriguing on how exactly this is going to play out. And, you know, this is our last episode of the year, but we're definitely going to be, you know, staying up to date in terms of research and following this and watching this as it happens live. Um, Just completely astonishing. And I know the word unprecedented is overused, but this is truly unprecedented as this has never happened before in our country. A former presidential candidate who incited insurrection against the United States being potentially questioned on that basis with the 14th Amendment yielded against him on if he can potentially hold office again. And if the Colorado Supreme Court has 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 essentially the jurisprudence to uphold that and if the u.s supreme court will do the same i'm not sure if juris jurisprudence was the right word to use but this is 
such an issue that is going to be so big heading into 2024, and I'm definitely interested to see how this plays out. Eyes open, heads up, stay focused. Um, happy holidays. Enjoy life. Have fun. But keep, please keep your eyes on the news. Do your part as a citizen to save and protect our constitutional republic. And I do not mean that in a hyperbolic sense. We truly are heading into authoritarianism and fascism at a jaw-dropping, at, at a jaw-dropping speed. And if people do not realize it, we we are going to sleepwalk right into it. Again, not being hyperbolic, this is a very, very serious warning that I'm raising here and have been for the past two years, but we have to get on it. Okay, that is our last episode. I know, very, very uh, much pessimistic for the end of the year, but I had to get on here and talk about this. I did not expect to speak for 25 minutes, but, you know, it had to be said. Um, And I just wanted you all to know about this, just in case you didn't see this. Uh, But thank you again for listening to this episode of the Jeremiah Patterson Show. I appreciate your support very, very much. Thank you so much for being with us this year. Um, Take care. Thank you to all my guests. Thank you to all the supporters and collaborators. I will see you again next year on the 6th. All right. Take care.